this morning, uh, I'm excited to share with you uh, a message that, that kind of lets us prepare in my mind for this next season. This is not something we prepared for, to be online only again uh, here uh, as we approach the holiday season, to, to have to be careful and monitor who's coming into our homes during the holiday season. Uh, these are not things that we planned. And yet there is, there is a way in which God works that allows us to, to find a way to be who He wants us to be. Early in my ministry, when I was coming right out of seminary, someone gave me a book by a Presbyterian pastor on the East Coast named Eugene Peterson. Many of you know Eugene Peterson now because later on he would publish a a translation of the Bible, a one-man translation that he did for his church in in Maryland uh, that became a national bestseller called The Message. And, And Eugene Peterson's first book, however, was a book that was entitled, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And, and it, was, it was a book about how, how to follow Jesus, how to live as a disciple of Jesus. Because Eugene Peterson's observation 40 years ago when he wrote the book was that was that we live in a society that, that wants instant gratification, that we live in a society that is, that is turned toward having things now and instantly and spiritually. Many of us have become prone to a, a concept that, that we can just say to Jesus, forgive me of my sins, and then everything is fixed. And, and we don't understand that what Jesus invites us to is a lifelong commitment to Him. A lifelong relationship with Him that that starts now and quite honestly goes from this life into eternal life. And so as he was looking at the people in his congregation and as he was looking at the world around us, he, he began to be moved to write this book. It's a classic book now. Now as Christians and pastors and church leaders have, have read the book over and over again. For me, I'm rereading it again right now. And it's a, it's a book that, that talks about how we live in connection to Jesus. And so that phrase, a, a long obedience in the same direction, it, it kind of started going through my mind as I was looking at us entering this next season, this Christmas and holiday season, in a socially distanced manner in a world that's polarized and, and in a world that is in upheaval and, and yet still is expecting just automatic response and instant gratification. And, and right now, that's not coming. That's not happening. And as I read, reread Peterson's book, and as I thought about our current scenario, I began to remember there's a, there's a story I keep being drawn back into the book of Acts. Ever since, ever since COVID-19 began, I, I've been drawn back to the book of Acts over and over and over again because it's the story of the first century church and, and all the crisis that they faced. And, and now, now we're in the 21st century, and some of the things we're facing are very, very similar. Oh, no, they, they didn't have COVID-19 in those days. But the Christians, the Christians did live in a world that had a different set of values. And there were different things that happened that that accentuated the difference in the values of those who followed Jesus and the values of those who didn't. 
And that's what's going on right now. That's what's happening in our world right now. There is this accentuation of the difference. And so as we've talked about what it means to to expand our worldview, I I just wanted to circle back one more time and and remind you of what it means to, to follow Jesus in a long obedience. And there's a story in the book of Acts It's at the last verse of the 12th chapter and the beginning of the 13th chapter. And and it's a story we miss because we get so excited about what happens in the rest of the book of Acts. And so excited about what's been going on. But but it's a story about three men and a church. The, The three men are Saul, Barnabas, and a young man named John Mark. Listen to the story as I read it. And today, let's allow God, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, let's allow God to to speak to us about how, how to live our lives with a long obedience in the same direction. Listen. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service there bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. And now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Now, for those of you who haven't been with us in these last few months and may have missed the the connection of what Barnabas and Saul were doing in Jerusalem, doing their service there. What what was going on is that the church in Antioch, this place where Christianity had begun to flourish, and that was the place where those who followed Jesus were first called Christians. In, In Antioch, they became aware that there was going to be a famine in the land, and they had resources, and the church in Jerusalem, where the, where the rest of the church holiness body was, where, where James, the brother of Jesus, was in charge, where the, the Jerusalem council, where the, the people who had the authority, where they were, that was going to be a place that was going to be hit hard by the famine. And so the brothers and sisters in Antioch took up an offering. They gave out of their resources to help the mother church, if you would, from, from their, their position as a daughter congregation. And so, they, and so they sent Barnabas and Saul back because the Jerusalem church had sent Barnabas to them to check out their faith and, and to make sure that what they were doing was authentic to the Christian faith. And so they sent Barnabas back along with Saul, who Barnabas had brought down to Antioch to help disciple them. And so they sent them with this offering. And when Barnabas and Saul get to Jerusalem and provide the resources to the church there, then what happens is that, that they begin to see what God is doing in Jerusalem. And, and if you remember, one of the stories was that when Peter was arrested in order to be killed and executed, and then an angel released Peter from, from jail that night, and Peter then went to tell the rest of the church in Jerusalem, they were meeting at the house of John Mark's mother. 
And so now, now as we're looking at this place where, where Saul and Barnabas have given the gift, and now they're returning to Antioch, there's this, this young man, John Mark. And John Mark, John Mark wants to be a part of what's going on. John Mark wants to find out what God is up to in Antioch. He wants to find out what God can do in his life. And, and so he begins this relationship, this connection out of his own faith in Jesus Christ. And this morning, what I want you to do is I want you to think about those three men, about Barnabas, the, the son of encouragement, who we first meet in the book of Acts when he sells a piece of property and, and gives it to the, to the disciples to feed the widows and the orphans. About Saul, who was this, who was this Pharisee among Pharisees, who was on a mission to, to imprison Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. And, and this John Mark, this young guy who's curious, because all three of these men end up end up in a, in a long obedience in the same direction. But along the way, they, they have some twists and turns in the obedience. They have some twists and turns on the journey. They, they live through some things they didn't expect, much like we do. And, and in the process, they, they actually bring us to a place where they begin to help us understand this word obedience. See, when Eugene Peterson 40 years ago wrote about a long obedience in the same direction, uh, when Jesus told the disciples 2,000 years ago, if, if you love me, obey me. When, when they use in the Bible the word obey, when we look in the 21st century and we talk about obedience, it is not the same word. See, we, we look at obedience and we think about we send our animals to obedience school. <laughs> Uh, when we look at obedience, we think of people who, who just fall in line and do exactly what they're told to do. And, and obedience in the biblical fashion is not that kind of obedience. No, no, it's, a, it's an obedience that grows out of connection. It's an obedience that grows out of relationship. And so what, what we find in the Scriptures and in this story, in the life of Saul and Barnabas and John Mark, is that there's a process for how obedience comes into our life. And here's, here's what I want you to know. It starts, if you would, with a discovery. A, a discovery that grows out of, a, out of curiosity. See, that's where John Mark was. All these saints had been in his mom's house. All these great leaders of the church were connected to his family and to his friends and to him. And, and, and now, now they're going back to Antioch, and he wants to go to Antioch. He wants to see what God is doing. You see, what happens is, is if you want to become a person who, who has an expanded worldview and learns what it means to live in this long obedience in the same direction, you've got to discover a curiosity that opens you to the obedience. It's a, it's a curiosity that, that kind of brings you in and says, you know what, I, I want to know more about this. I, I want to figure out what it is. And, and so when we, when we read about Paul, Saul, and Barnabas returning from Jerusalem and bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark, we need to understand that this is a time frame. This is a place where we are learning how learning what it means to actually live in connection. In 2020, in the time frame when we have had a whole new world placed around us, 
when we've been asked to care for our brothers and sisters by monitoring our own personal behavior. It, it's a place where I think it helps us discover a, a long obedience, a curiosity about who Jesus is and what he wants to do in our life. And so I want to encourage you today, on this Sunday before Thanksgiving, a Thanksgiving unlike any that you have ever experienced unless you're over 100 years old, I was talking with one of our church members this week who, who will celebrate his 91st birthday in January, long-term leader in this church and in this community. And, and as the two of us were talking this week, he said, you know, Pastor, I, I just want you to know I, I'm 90 years old and I have never experienced anything like this before in my life. But then he stopped and I could tell he was smiling behind that mask because his eyes twinkled. And he said, but my goodness, God has been so good to us. And I just want you to know that if you will allow God to, to create in you a curiosity that, that creates an openness to the possibility, not, not that you're going to fall in lockstep with what somebody tells you to do, but, but that you're going to learn to live in relationship with Jesus, that you'll make some discoveries. Along the way, you're going you're gonna to fail. For those of you who know the story of the early church in the next few chapters in the book of Acts, you know that, that John Mark actually does fail. He, he actually goes with Saul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey, and, and when the heat gets too hot in the kitchen, John Mark's like, I'm going home to mama. I'm not, I'm not staying on this. But if you also keep reading your New Testament, you know that near the end of his life, Paul, Saul, sins a request that John Mark join him where he is spending the winter months. And he makes this statement about how John Mark is a good man to him. And we know because John Mark is the author of the gospel of Mark. That the long obedience in the same direction doesn't include success every time. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes we come in hard places. Sometimes we have struggles like we're walking through now. But, but what John Mark's life teaches us is that we, we can be open to following what Jesus wants us to do in our life. But I love the way that Luke writes the story. I love the way that he talks about the church in Antioch because what the church in Antioch was full of was people who had had an encounter with Jesus Christ, people who had been changed by Jesus' salvation in their life and who had made a commitment to live a consistent faith in their life. Look at it again as I read it for you, those early verses of Acts chapter 13, uh, starting in verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch Prophets and teachers, Barnabas, whom we already met, the son of encouragement, Simeon, who was called Niger. Now, that word Niger is, is, actually, is actually from the Latin, and it means black. I want you to hear that. In, in, a, in a world all a, all a flutter right now, in a world full of hurt and pain over racial injustice, I want you to hear that from the earliest days of the church, the church was multi-ethnic and multi-racial. 
the church of Jesus Christ has never been a homogeneous unit. It's never been a, a unit that was made up of just one kind of people. And if we're going to, if we're going to walk in a long obedience in the same direction, we have to understand what we read when Luke says Simeon was there, Lucius of Cyrene was there. Cyrene is an African country. Manian, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch. Herod the Tetrarch. Now, th- this, is the, this is the uncle of the Herod Agrippa who was trying to have Peter killed. It's the, it's the Herod who was on the throne during the time of Jesus' ministry and life. And, and this man, this man, Manian, had been a member of the court of Herod. He was, he was a, a political figure, a person of power and stature, and yet when he found Jesus Christ, his life was transformed. He had grown up with, literally the words used here to talk about a member of the court are, are words that talk about the fact that he grew up with Herod the Tetrarch. And as he grew up with Herod the Tetrarch, he had those connections. You see, the church is never just about one class of people. The church is never just about one race of people. The church is never just about one economic level or one educational level. No, no, the, the, church, the church has room for GEDs and PhDs. The church has room for people who are from different races and speak different languages. The, the church is God's church. And it's full of people who are committed, committed to a consistent faith. Look at what these men and Saul were doing. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Now, what I want to say to you this morning is is this. That passage... That, that statement should give insight to us. I, I know this is our first Sunday back being online only. I, I know this is our first Sunday back doing uh, something we thought we would never have to do again. But can I tell you, whether you're worshiping with us live at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock, whether you're worshiping with us on demand, Wherever you are and however you're worshiping with us, I want you to know you're not watching a show. You're worshiping with the people of God. That's why I want to encourage those of you who are on the es.church website, use the chat room. Use the prayer request. That's why we have pastors who are there right now as I'm speaking, and they're willing to pray with you. There, there, there are people right there who can answer your questions. If you're a new believer, there are resources there. If you'll look down on that page, you're going to find places where there are resources for you as a new believer. You're going to find uh, books. You're going to find studies. You're going to find videos that can help you grow. See, we're committed as a, a body of Christ to understanding a really, really simple, simple process. This building at 2600 East 5th Street in Anderson, Indiana, is not the church. It really isn't. We are the church. And today, this year, 2020, the church has left the building. And yet, even though we've left the building, we, we are people who, 
who can still come together, people who can, be, by the grace of God and the access of technology, still actually know that there are other believers out there. We can be committed to consistent worship, committed to consistent living, committed to consistent faith. This is not a time for us to to throw our hands up in despair and say, oh, the world has changed everything we know about the church. Good. Good. Because the church doesn't belong to the world and the church doesn't belong to us. The church belongs to God. This is His church. You are a part of His body. And what we learn from the church in Antioch, the church that that quite honestly took over the mantle from the church in Jerusalem because of the famine, because of the heartache and the hardship in Jerusalem. It was the church in Antioch that began to spread the gospel to fulfill Jesus' great commission that they were to go into all the world and preach the gospel into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the world. It was the church in Antioch. These people from all of these different backgrounds and all of these different nationalities who came together as the people who had faith in Jesus Christ. And they, they were the church that left the building. Could it be? I would suggest that it might be. That 2020 could become the greatest stimulus and catalyst for evangelism of the lost. If we as the church are willing to care for our neighbors, to pray for our neighbors, to be the church, not just when we gather together at some physical location, but when we are the church. My dear friend Michael Thigpen did such a wonderful job last week from this platform of encouraging us when we're weary, when we're tired, not to forget who God is, not to forget who the body of Christ is. And Michael's right. This is a time for all of us not to grow weary, to, to not become people who grow weary in well-doing, but instead become people, people who see even the heartache and the hardship as an opportunity. As this multiracial, multi-ethnic church was worshiping with a consistent faith, they heard God speak, the Holy Spirit spoke to them and he said these words set apart for me that word that's translated set apart uh, it can also mean sanctify for those of you who grew up in church for those of you who've been around the church a while you you know what that word means it means set apart for God what the Holy Spirit was saying to these leaders was look you you have me in your midst I need you to send some people from where you are into another place where they don't know me you see when we discover the curiosity that opens us up to obedience when we make a commitment to to live in a consistent faith then then we begin to live in a community that is empowered to send us on a life of mission See, that's why Barnabas and Saul were willing to leave Antioch again. 
This time, not to leave and go back to Jerusalem where the church was, but instead to leave and go to places where no one had ever heard about Jesus. Because in the consistency of their faith, the community of believers understood that the sending of the believers, the sending of those who would share the gospel, is something that that God uses in amazing ways. So what did they do? Because of their consistency, because of their worship, because of their faithfulness to a faithful God, they began to worship and fast and pray. That's what Luke tells us. They heard from the Spirit. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on Saul and Barnabas and sent them off. See, my friend, I'm wondering if you and I could shift our perspective this year, if you and I could shift our viewpoint this year, if you and I could expand our worldview this year, so that Christmas is no longer a a season about what we get and what we give, but it's about where we go and how we trust and how we love. There's a song that's been speaking to me this, this week. And I asked uh, Lake and Katie and the band if, if they would come back and sing it to close our service today. Before they do, I, I just want you to know I, I want to pray for you. I want to I pray that whatever you're walking through, for those of you who are quarantined because you've been exposed to COVID-19, for those of you who are grieving because of the death of a family member, for those of you who are full of angst and anger and anxiety because everything's changing, I just want you to know God has not abandoned you. And if you will trust him, he will always, always, always be faithful. You can live a long obedience in the same direction as a follower of Jesus. But it takes discovering, it takes commitment, and it takes living in a community willing to send, not just receive. So let's be that community. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, right now I'm asking you to touch the people who are worshiping with us today. Lord, I I know many of them. Lord, you know that as their pastor, I, I long to be able to see them all in one place and gathered together. And, and you know how, how much excitement there is when we come together. But Lord, right now, right now we're living in a world where, where it's not safe for us to gather, just like it was sometimes not safe for the early church to gather. And so what we're asking you to do is to speak to our lives and, and help us Help us to to discover how to live obediently to you. To help us learn what it means to find joy in the midst of the despair. To learn what it means to be light in the darkness and leaven in the loaf. Lord, this Christmas season, would you really help us reimagine how we do it? Would you really help us look at what it means for us to be your people 
on mission in your world. Thank you for loving us. Holy Spirit, thank you for for comforting us and empowering us and bringing healing to us. Walk with those who are struggling right now, Father. Holy Spirit, we ask you to reach into living rooms and family rooms and bedrooms and, and cars and back porches and gatherings where you are speaking and remind your people that we are called to be the light of Jesus Christ to the world. So let us be that light in the darkness of COVID-19. For it's in the strong name of Jesus Christ that we pray.